Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Breaking Down the Silo. This is a Manga Talks podcast dedicated to breaking down each and every episode of the Apple Plus TV series Silo. I am your host Lee, and here I'm joined by my co-host Spencer. Spencer, how are you today? A little triggered. A little triggered by this episode. Uh, this episode kind of revealed something to me about myself I didn't fully understand that when I realize something and I'm right, but then the show makes me second guess myself to the point I back away from it, I get really annoyed. And this episode kind of hit that. What a, what a podcast professional. What a tease. Like now you've, you've basically thrown out three or four different things that you're going to reveal during the course of the episode. People have to listen now. You can't, you can't press pause on your uh, Apple Podcast Player on your iPhone. You can't do it. You can't put it down. Spencer's got you hooked. I'm excited to talk Season 1, Episode 8. Hannah. Hannah, of course, the name of Juliet, our favorite. Our favorite. Both of our favorites. To, to, to an exactly identical, identical degree, right? You know, just no exactly. difference in appreciation. 100% appreciation on both sides of the podcast fence here for Juliet. And this is Hannah. Hannah, obviously, the name of her father, or her mother. And we're going to go through the episode here, review episode eight. We've got two episodes left in season one. I don't know what the status of filming is on season two. I think it's a show that is filmed in the United States of America. So I think that we probably are in for quite a wait as the actor strike continues to to lag on here. So we're probably in for quite a wait. But we still have two more episodes after this one to review. This episode, however, we will review. I will go through a recap. Spencer will chime in, witty anecdotes, witticisms, probably a lot of insight and experience, um, I'm expecting. Uh, like, oh, no. you know, sort of like old man, old man Withers. Like, put the put the podcast audience on your knee and tell them the story today, Spencer. Uh, I will have a brief moment of just, you know, revealing how much I know about rabbits since I got one. Because, hey, that comes up in this episode in a way I wasn't expecting to bring out. We do have a rabbit sighting in the episode, and then we will go to best line of the episode, where I and I alone award best line of the episode. However, Spencer, every week, Gameling supplies me with nominees, which he will do again this week. Then we will award Silo Citizen of the Week. I sure as fuck know who isn't getting it. (laughs) You are not getting it um, with the Darth Vader fucking Imperial March reveal at the end of this episode. And then we will jump to Theory Time, Speculation, a segment I increasingly can participate in as we near the end of the show canon that has been released so far, right? As we near the end of the season, um, as a reminder for everybody, Spencer is watching week by week. I have seen the entire season but i will do my level best my very very best not to give you spoilers about the last two episodes if you're watching along every week spencer anything you want to talk about before we jump into the episode uh just a practical question do you think the fact they have to film this show underground makes it's going to make it so it's going to be even longer delay before they come back yeah you know i wonder if they're you know because obviously they built the silo for the show how else um, do they do things yeah obviously do you think they rent it out do you think you could rent a room in the silo for a night? That'd be kind of nice, wouldn't it? I, I would love to have an Airbnb on, like, the 100th floor down. Just to have that level of privacy. That'd be nice. Spencer would be an absolute prick, too, because he would show up with, uh, with like, just a, one of those monocle, just a magnifying glass on his face immediately. Like, <laughs> right away, I'm breaking the pact. <laughs> First step in, I'm going to show you people. <laughs> I don't read manuals. This is well known about me. I didn't read the information about what was and wasn't allowed. So sue me or send me out to die. One of the two. Did you know that there's a Star Wars hotel that Disney created? I had heard that. I also heard it was struggling, too. Yeah, well, I mean, the price, I think, is probably part of the problem. I think it's like $1,000 a night or something. But, like, you basically stay... Yeah, that's so... I wish we were doing... Every once in a while, I wish we were doing a video 
podcast because Spencer's out on the idea. I'm going to explain it now. But he's not even listening anymore. A thousand dollars a night. He's completely checked the fuck out. Um, done. So it's like you go in and it, they kind of treat like there's all these different like um, rooms as if you're in a spaceship. And they actually, I mean, I've seen pictures of it. Like the, they put like almost like TV wallpaper sort of like a, a screen that's like a, an entire wall. And then, of course, you get the feeling of the this, hyperspace you know, going by hyperspace or you're or, or you're you're parked and stuff's going on around you or you see planets outside or whatever and then everybody there stays in character the whole two nights right so like your servants come in and they're like we have you bantha milk or what the fuck ever you know like they all play along and this got me thinking like spencer if they could if you know our capitalistic world could create a fantasy world for you to go live in for a little while which of your favorite fantasy series would you go visit? Ooh. Well, I, I can say... My, I, I'm going to limit myself to shows that we've watched. I can say my lowest on the list would probably be... Silo? No, <laughs> La, uh, Last of Us. I think The Last of Us oh, gosh, seems yeah, like yeah. an utter nightmare of the shows that we've watched. That's Silo true. might actually be homey. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, less people bothering you there, maybe. Unless, I, you're, unless you're causing problems. I would be constantly exploring, apparently, the increasingly varied agricultural levels that exist in this thing. I think I'd pick Harry Potter. I think I'd go live... Harry in, Potter would be awesome. Yeah, I think I'd go live in... Uh, what is it? Um, the, the the castle. What's the castle that they live in? Uh, Harry Potter castle. Hogwarts, yeah. I think I'd go live in Hogwarts. That seems nice. Because, like, Game of Thrones, it's, like, it's still sort of medieval-ish and kind of sucks. There's, like, outhouses and things. It's not comfortable. <laughs> Yes, very true. Yeah, so that's probably it. Yeah, and increasingly, I don't think I'd want to live in the world Wheel of Time uh, world either. Speaking of Wheel of Time, we are doing another uh, we're doing a wheel of, another podcast on the Megatalks Podcast Network where we are covering the Wheel of Time season two episode by episode. It's called "As the Wheel of Time Turns." Myself, and my wife, and another couple that um, are on the Megatalks Podcast Network are doing it, and it's a lot of fun. We are in the final runway. We're doing the last two episodes over the next two weeks of season two of Wheel of Time. Check that podcast out. A lot of fun. Uh, and inspired enough, and man who honors his promises, I'm now 140 pages into the first book. So while I can't guarantee I watch the show, I still may listen to the podcast once I've actually finished the first book and continue on thereafter. Yeah, it's enjoyable, like being Spencer's friend, because like you don't, you never really get a win. Because, like, <laughs> you push, like, so we were pushing and pushing for him to, like, please, you know, check out Wheel of Time. So he's like, okay, so he gets book one, right? And then, the, like, the first like first night you're reading it, I get a torrent of text messages about, this is just a Tolkien fucking ripoff, and it, it sucks, and, like, and then it's just trashing it. So you're not going to get a win, like, either way, coming or going. I either wasn't trashing it. He's going to read it, or he's going to say, like, what is this, like, J.V. Tolkien? Fuck this guy. <laughs> it, it is totally J.V. Tolkien. I'm still enjoying it as J.V. Tolkien. I, I'm not, I'm continuing on. Uh, as I said on the podcast uh, last week, Check out book two. Uh, I know it's a and it's a monster commitment, um, but book two is the is the winner there for Wheel of Time. But anyway, the Wheel of Time podcast, a lot of fun. Check that out. But the issue at hand, Spencer. I think we've gabbed enough. I think we got to jump into season one, episode eight. Hannah, are you ready? Damn straight. Previously on, we get the conversation between Bernard and Juliet about how power is used and the servers mm-hmm. falling into the wrong hands. The idea of Meadows hijacking the servers. Boy, doesn't that. And that whole conversation with Bernard just seemed hilarious and retro. He was just playing her like a fiddle. Completely uh, bull- bullshitting her. Um, among the various shows that we've watched, 
Bernard's gotta rank high when it comes to su- successful and skillful manipulators. I mean, we've seen yeah. a few across various shows, but this guy knows his trade when it comes to working people. That re- the reveal we get at the end of this episode shocked me. Like I, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, of course, I knew that like the concept that IT is really powerful was on the in the in the um, different turnings of the wheel. Let me say. It, it was one of the possibilities, right? But like, I didn't see coming that Bernard was the guy behind the curtain. Like, I, that really did kind of shock it, me. It, meanwhile, it pissed me right off because, like, you know, episode one and two when we were talking, I was like, I don't trust this Bernard guy. I think he's got a lot of power. I think he's working oh, with judicial. It's and, and like several episodes on thereafter, they just keep on going. Oh no, this Bernard guy is working with Juliet. Oh so no, bad. this Bernard guy is worried about the judge. And I'm like. Okay, and I think I even straight up admit, okay, Bernard's one of the guys I called wrong when it comes to this show. Now I'm like, now I'm just angry at myself. Now I, I need to trust myself more, clearly. Trust your gut. Yeah, the line from Meadows, I, I, I said I can't, and there isn't anything I can do about it. And that look from Meadows, like the actress shoots this look, right? Like we get this like almost like hostage video look from Judge yeah. Meadows. And... We see Gloria Hildebrand in the, in the uh, previously on telling Juliet, Hannah Nichols, she's Hannah Nichols' daughter. You knew my mom. She was helping with something, some sort of magnifying to class. Sims loses it over Juliet blocking the cameras. Mm-hmm. I still say that was a bad move. Juliet going into the air vent. No, Diego, the problem is she knows there are cameras. Juliet taking off. And this line from Gloria, you didn't ask for it. It's not fair, but it's down to you. What would your mother want you to do? Last flamekeeper, Juliet, our favorite. And then we jump into the episode. Do we think that she is the last flamekeeper? Because that is what's being strongly implied, but I don't know whether Hildebrand would actually even know that at this point. I think Hildebrand thinks she's the last flamekeeper, but I think that she's been dedicated for years and has no idea. Yeah. Um, so we start with young Juliet and her mother in one of, flashback in one of the farm floors. So this, I love this because we get like a little bit of an explanation. Yeah, they actually have farm like floors that are just farms. So that's how they're doing this. She's meeting someone. And it's an older fella, and Hannah Nichols, the mother of Juliet, says, my daughter can keep a secret, you know, unless you'd uh, rather find some other taker for these and then hand some pills to the guy. Uh, yeah, if I'm that guy, someone trying to reassure me with, hey, this 12-year-old that you don't know can totally keep a secret, I'm running in the opposite direction because that's never been true in the history of mankind. So a couple things on this. One is you lost me at, reassure when spencer says someone tried to reassure me the wheels fell off because you're not going to reassure spencer of anything it reminds me of and second valid point very second, valid you hate point children we all establish you hate children you don't like kids you hate kids actors it's it's a known fact it's like i hate soup you don't you don't like children hey but we've established you like chili there's still hope for me I do uh, like yes chili. I, I'm saying that if I'm in this guy's role, it's hitting every one of my triggers of this is the sign I run in the opposite direction. Yeah, it was kind of strange to like just bring Juliet to that. I don't think that was a strong move. Um, but anyway, it seems like did you get the sense that she was get, she was trading illegal parts for medicine that she was getting from her husband? Uh, yeah, I did not know what part I, I did not know what she was getting in trade at this point but yes I assume that she basically pilfered from her husband's supply or from the medical stocks for the sake of making whatever this trade was going to be and that's an interesting word you said pilfered because I said just she got it from her husband 
I tend to think you're probably right in your phrasing that her husband didn't really actively participate in this, that she was like stealing them from him, basically. From what we see of the two of them in this episode, she don't give a shit about any rules of decorum, or really honestly about her husband. At this point, he just angers her on the sake that he's not as dedicated as she is to the causes that she's now committed her life to. You have been a season-long supporter of Sergio Ramon. I remember I was trashing him and saying he was a bad dad, and you were like, well, hold on a second. Now you're like, hey, this woman, this woman's not respecting this guy. Hey, and, hey, last episode I was like, I'm waiting for the show to give me an explanation. I'm waiting for the show to give me a reason for just the level of anger Juliet has for him. And look at this. Thank you, show. We got one. Yeah, you know, you're not giving yourself a lot of credit as we go in the pod, right? Because you're, you're saying, like, you're only talking about your missus, but you did call that, that there was something. And I kept telling you, no, nah, I think that's probably enough. And you're like, no, there's something else coming. I just didn't want it, like, it to be, like, you were kind of like, you, you were guessing, but you were making it obvious for people who didn't know. So I, try, I was trying to give the other side just to, to keep a little bit of suspense. But yeah, you absolutely called that. There was obviously something else going on because her anger was just unreasonable based on the background that we got in. And as we say, as we talked about, for some of these characters, it's unresolved trauma that's motivating them to what they end up doing. And Juliet's mom, Hannah, has that in utter spades, to the point that she is very willfully flirting with judicial-assisted suicide to go about the path that she's chosen for herself. Yep. So the guy hands her, you know, this metal box, tells her not to get caught with it. The silo always wins. He says, we get a good shot of the farming floor, which I found very interesting. Uh, looked like wheat. Looked like they were growing wheat. Didn't you see that? You see wheat? Yeah, wheat, wheat here, and we see it at the separate floor apparently, which had all corn later. So they got they they've got multiple crops, or maybe they you know they do crop rotation, so different different crops, different seasons. Wheat, corn, soybean. If you can just that's the holy trinity. If you can just get get those three going, you're probably going to be okay. Probably um, so. Uh, and apparently, bunnies. I'm waiting to see where the bunny floor is because I refuse to accept that the show's trying to imply that this thing was wild. Cut to Juliet and her mother walk. I think that's what they're saying. Cut to Juliet and her mother walking up some stairs. Juliet offers to carry the box, so he you know, lets her. They look at it. Ta-da! It's a rabbit. Rabbit inside. It is inside. a visibly, obviously domesticated bunny. Oh, you don't think that's a wild rabbit? No. It, well, it, I'm willing to believe. I, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hedge this. I'm, I have seen domesticated bunnies be wild, be roaming out in the world. This is not a wild hare. Just like physically, obviously. This is a species of domestic... This is the domesticated rabbit species. Whether the show is suggesting that this was a domesticated bunny that was wild roaming around the silo, I have very logical... I have very obvious logical objections, but I can't say they're not going that route with certainty at this point. I would suspect that they breed rabbits for meat because... Rabbit meat is actually low in cholesterol, low in saturated fat, pretty good for you, lean, and there is a reason we have a saying, fuck like rabbits. Like rabbits procreate very fast, their gestation period is very quick, and they mm-hmm. come of age very fast. It's a, it's a very efficient meat to farm. Uh, we don't do it because Easter, but like it's actually like a really great meat to farm. I bet they, I bet they eat a lot of rabbit. The silos, my guess. I, I'm hoping that's what the show wants me to believe for this. That this guy basically just took a bunny from their stores that it seemed like it had health issues and illegally then traded it with her, rather than this guy caught a rabbit. Because I think option A makes a lot more sense than the idea that there's wild animals in the silo in some shape or form. Juliet is concerned they might be eating the thing, but Hannah laughs at that. See, it's a little bit more, like, you know, 
Ju- Juliet's mind goes right to eating it, so maybe maybe they do eat rabbit. Like it was it wasn't a strange thing for her to consider. Uh, uh, bit around trivia. Have you ever heard before that you know rabbit? As you said, is famously low in fat. Have you ever heard like uh, stories about French fur traders that ate nothing but rabbit and actually died from it from the fact it was such a low fat diet? They died from eating just rabbit because it was too low fat. They were rabbit was such a substantial portion of basically their entirety of their diet, and it was so low fat and missing certain like key amino acids, whatever else, that they actually effectively died from malnutrition from the basis of the rabbit is such a lean meat. You know, and this runs completely antithetical to my DNA makeup. But you know, Spencer, everything in moderation. Everything in moderation, <laughs> including <laughs> rabbit, apparently. <laughs> Juliet susses out that it might be sick, and Hannah says, yeah, that's the point. So cut to the guards going uh, into the infant floor. One of the guards stops and says, they aren't looking for a baby. We can get out of here, and we see that Juliet is hiding there. So that's modern-day Juliet. Uh, those guards are not going to win Silo Citizen of the Week in any way we want to judge that. <laughs> like, Pretty weak. Dudes, yeah, go into the room. Her. Walk around well, the room a little bit. It also is like where some of the powers that be need to st- well they don't need to do anything I guess maybe they haven't figured out but like it would probably be helpful if they talked a little bit more right because like those guards probably don't know that there are cameras everywhere and with cameras everywhere the medical wing is one of the few places without cameras so it's like one of the few places you really should check every crevice this is one means by which one can defeat a regime that is relying on secrecy you can almost count on the fact that the left hand is not talking to the right because otherwise they can't maintain the secrecy on which they thrive and we see gloria and she's struggling to sleep in comes sims the nurse leaves uh mood sure changes when he walks into a room doesn't it man sims is a real downer yeah, Sims is down to the point that I like that the show finally gave me an explanation that he's not the guy in charge, because this guy is not inspiring troops to action at any point. He looks at some of the, I guess, are they holes in the walls, or like places where maybe Juliet could be stashed and stuff, and he takes the cover off the mirror. He comments that he, she wasn't very cooperative with his, with his agents. I hope you'll be more cooperative with me, Gloria, and he gives her a big, fake smile. She says, you're the security man. Your wife had a miscarriage, and she's like... Sims seems to be trying to get her to stop this, like, stroll down memory lane, but she goes right on and says that they were about to give up on a family, but they still had a little time on their lottery. Think back to episode one mm-hmm. about what the lottery is. It's the one-year period which they remove the birth control and you have a chance to have a child. Um, and then she says, I got you some, some, and he completes the sentence, folic acid, and Gloria asks if it works. And he says, well, yeah, got a boy, six years old, so yeah, it worked. Sim says he needs a favor from her, and if she cooperates, he'll personally guarantee you'll never be kept from your dreams again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, he is providing that honest promise. Totally. So, what's interesting to me is that, like, I did not necessarily get from Gloria the last episode that her motivation is to be on drugs. Yeah, I did. But now it seems like that is her motivation and that Sims has sussed it out. Yeah, we, we got at least one line at one point uh, when she's been like Juliet saying, you know, yeah, they kept you drugged, whatever else. And I think she even like says, no, 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 put me back, whatever else. Um, they're leaning into that hard this episode that she's straight up willing to sell people down the river on the basis that she can just simply be lost in her dreams. And Sims quite astutely picks up on that and uses that as a key part of what he's marketing. Yeah, he does, you know. And also, like, I would I would posit that you can take a non-drug addict and give them drugs continually for mm-hmm. months and months and months, and yes. they become a drug addict. Um, not necessarily the mental part of being a drug addict, right? The constant, like, 
cyclical thinking and the constantly going back to the substance years and years later, but they will have a physical dependence on that drug and they will crave it in the short term. And that might be what's going on with her because whatever they're giving her is pretty strong stuff. And, and we posited that it, really the only thing they could be making in that much quantity that we know of that would put her out this way is opium, right? So she's hey. probably a heroin addict at this point. Hey, remember your <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Poppies will make them sleep. Gloria says, if I don't help you, would you send an old woman out to clean? Sim says, no. I'll leave her in this room unmedicated to spend the rest of her days staring at these walls. <laughs> effective threat. Very effective threat. She says, why should I trust you? Because thanks to you, I have my son. I take no pleasure in putting you in this position. But now this situation is of great grave importance to the silo. Juliet Nichols paid you a visit, took something out of that vent. I need to know what that was. Gloria says, a bag. Did Sherrod Folston hide it there? Yes. What was inside the bag? Then we cut away. My question to you, Spencer, is she, has she flipped? Is she talking? Is she giving all the answers here? I think so, yes, because we hear, we, without receiving any other explanation later, we have Sims instructing his agents to look for a hard drive. He talks about it like a red class or a red level uh, relic. He's specifically sending them off to search for a hard drive. I don't think he previously knew that a hard drive existed or had talked about one, so that seems like the most logical way he would acquire it is that she knew and she told him so that she could get her, get her drugs. Because in the next scene we see, he seems with no malevolence attached, making sure she gets a steady supply of the best drugs available. And this probably confuses people, but like, this is, this is something a drug addict can absolutely do with no cognitive dissonance. They can, they can look at you and say, I love you, I care about you, you're the most important thing in the world. And then a person will come along and go, you can get some drugs if you punch that guy in the face, and then they will punch you in the face. Like, it, like this is not, that, that to a normal, normal person, to normal thinking, what Gloria has done here seems dissonant. It seems like two different sides, right? One, she's like saying to Juliet, you're the last one, this is so important, you have to carry on. And then the second he threatens the drugs, she goes, Oh, let me tell you all about Juliet. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Like, that doesn't mean she was lying about the first thing, is nope. my point here. I think this is something that drug addicts can do. Everyone has a price. I fundamentally believe that no matter the topic, no matter the area, everyone has a price. When it comes, Sims just very much accurately read what the exchange rate was in this room and played that hard. And it worked out the way he expected. And it's one of those things, too, of where Gloria, you could say that she sold Juliet down the river. But how much did she really? I mean, Sims is still always is, is still looking for her. He still wants to get her. He still assumes that she's engaging in relic violations and there's a problem. Is it making it that much worse that she's got a red class relic? Maybe, but I think it's just getting to a matter of degree kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, everybody has a. What are you, the big million dollar man fan? Did you watch a lot of wrestling in the in the early nineties? Million dollar man. I, Everybody's I, got a price. I watched a little bit of wrestling, and I actually do get that reference. So sure, yeah, million dollar man. He'd come out and say, "Everybody's got a price," and oh, it was it was a perfect gimmick because he could come out and be like. You know, everybody's got a price, and then, like, you know, the, the baby face would flip, and then mm -hmm. he would be in the ring cackling, like, I paid him off! Like, there was always a way to advance the storyline, because Million Dollar Man just bribed you, because everybody's a price. He was a catalyst. He made other plots happen quite successfully. Yeah, very, very good character. Then we see Sims walk out, and the nurse gets back in the room. Sims tells her to give Gloria the good stuff. 
every day. Anybody try to take her out from under the drugs, they have to go through him. Sends then thanks, Gloria, for everything. And I do think she flipped, but I also uh, conclude that everything she told Juliet was also said in good faith, and she meant all of that, too. 100%, 100% agree, and I also am willing to bet money that we're not going to see, see Gloria again. No, I think that's it. Uh, as he's walking away from her, she says, do you really think you'll win? He says, we have to. Then we see the nurse give Gloria the drug. Sims walks out. Cut to the credits. Long cold opening this week. That was about five and a half minutes. Uh, yeah, round about there, yeah. It, it, it's it's impressive that the show continually convinces me that they're not going to do credits with how long they're, they delay sometimes. Yeah, Sims is walking the silo. Walking the silo. Green silo. Walking the silo. One of the people comes up and explains that they had cameras on her. Uh, when it gets to medical, it's spotty. He says, and he kind of, he's just irritated this whole episode. He says, when you find her secure, she has a red level relic with her. Red level. Red level, Spencer. Very important. Tell your team nobody touches it. So even the team is not authorized to touch such a high level relic. This is a big deal. Uh, I'm starting to believe that Judicial has lost the technology for installing cameras or placing cameras because the number of gaps that they're talking about that they just live with suggests to me that either their system was never complete or their system has been slowly eroding and failing in a way they can't fully restore. Because we, we're hearing more and more about gaps. I'm betting B. I'm betting that they had a lot of cameras when it started, and a sufficient number of cameras, um, and that they have broken and screwed up over time, and they don't have replacement parts. And it's not like they can send one of those cameras down mechanical and have the <laughs> people in the silo fix it. There's a there's a select number of people who are able to fix these things based on the level of the circle of trust. So, like, yeah, they probably just broke over time, is my guess. I'm guessing they're not recruiting many people from mechanical or for engineering to uh, join judicial just for the sake of repairing things. Cut to Julia is in and among the babies. She pulls out her stuff and starts working on the computer that plugging that hard drive in. She's clearly anxious. Get that for sure. She's good. Just casually, uh, this is kind of a dick move on Juliet's part that she's logging into her dad's yeah. computer with the with, with the red level relic, which is yeah. not even an issue about it. Like just casually mentions it later. Yet, yeah, Dad, I into I you know personally involved your personal sign in computer in a very serious crime. So moving on, I need you to do things for me. So I wonder if that's an instance of Juliet not giving a fuck, which it very well could. Or if that there's just no, like these computers aren't sophisticated enough for this type of tracking. Like it wouldn't be like that. It wouldn't occur to her that he could get busted for that because these computers aren't, you know, sort of built, built that sophisticated. I don't know. Um, it could be, but it very well could be A, because Juliet does do a lot of not giving a fuck this episode. Mm. Um, so... She, looking over at the light, she remembers her mother working on a microscope. And her mother, Hannah, boop, boop, flashback. Hannah is explaining that she thinks the rabbit has a small hole in its heart. She's going to find it and sew it up. Spencer, how in the fuck does she know the the, the rabbit has a small hole in its heart? Okay, my guess is that she was... A few things with this thing. A, certain measure of bullshit there. The best way I can explain that is that the farmer noticed it in his stock of rabbits. This one was acting funny and maybe thought, hey, maybe it's got some issue with its heart. And Hannah, who's very much obviously just kind of on tilt and just pulling whatever string she can, just ran with that. But it has an issue with its heart. It must have the same heart issue my son had. And is just almost just on a wing and a prayer hoping seems like she turns out to be right because the rabbit you know is alive in the next scene or maybe she does the surgery and the whole thing yeah maybe 
Maybe, or maybe the rabbit just don't, actually didn't have a problem and they just sewed the rabbit back up, but she was just exploring in that regard. Uh, small thing, though, just for people who are thinking about rabbits or have rabbits, um, rabbits require specialty vets on the basis that, you know, even knowledge of vets that treat dogs and cats would basically kill them, including particularly on the subject of how much anesthesia to give them, because the amounts don't correspond by weight whatsoever. And also, even rabbit vets are utterly terrifyingly paranoid on the subject of actually putting rabbits under through anesthesia, because there's a significant likelihood that even with medical training, they still just won't wake up and won't come back. So the fact that Juliet's mom, with no medical knowledge that we know about, with no medical, with no veterinary training, particularly on the subject of rabbits that we've seen, is putting this rabbit under and doing open heart surgery on it, and we see the rabbit alive in the next scene, is something I am profoundly calling bullshit on as a rabbit owner. So that's all good. That's information I did not know. Um, and interesting. Are we sure she's not a doctor? Uh, not, not that we've seen. And I, I, from what was implied to me previously, I thought that she was more on the technical side of things rather than the medical side of things. I thought that was her dad that was a, a medical-focused kind of professional. I don't exactly know her profession, but I haven't seen her do medical work. And the main thing we see her do in this episode is an engineering project with lenses. And she seems like she's friends with a lot of people that are associated with like mechanical kind of things. It's just interesting to me that she would even think that she could operate on a heart without any, you know what I'm saying? Like it wouldn't even occur to me to do that, would much less be successful. So I would love, I wish, I wish we had access to like a book reader and we could ask what her background is because that, that would be very interesting to know. But yeah, I mean, I, I just assumed she gave it like a bump of heroin and then fell asleep and like, you know, it sounds like that could kill a rabbit very easily. Very easily if you don't have any knowledge about what dose they will survive or not. I mean, it's like to the point of my rabbit has to go in for teeth issues pretty regularly just because if, you know, if he's a tiny dwarf bunny and his teeth grow in the wrong way. And rabbit teeth always, are always growing so they can grow past each other. And even then, they basically just give him the equivalent of bunny valium because they're afraid to put him under. They just kind of put him, they just kind of make him loopy for a little bit and then trim his teeth. So she's built the illegal thing to advance medical science in the science in the silo, but it really is stemming from her own trauma related to losing her son. Is basically what the story here is going. Hundred percent. So they bring the rabbit over, and she gets to work. Juliet shockingly decides she wants to stay for the operation. I say that mockingly. Of course, Juliet's going to stay, and she does. No problems there. She brings Juliet over to look in the microscope to see the heart, and she sees the rabbit's heart. Hannah explains that the magnifier is the first one in the silo. She's thinking that if it works, she's going to use it to help other people. Spencer, magnifiers, expressly prohibited by the pact. This is clearly very heavily enforced. Can we do we can we save it for theory time? But talk about why in the hell they would possibly need to make magnifiers illegal of any category, apparently. So previously, it was being described to me as if it was you know like a telescope, and we talked about or you know suggested then well they don't want people to be able to you know pass information or see each other and see what life people are living on different floors. That was what I, I speculated. Yeah, but like but a any magnification. It's like, yeah. that has very practical uses given that they're presumably making pills, they're doing medical treatment, a microscope of some shape or form should logically be part of these operations, but we're seeing here that nope, any category of magnification, in any context, for any purpose, sacrosanct illegal. So, yes, what we will unquestionably theorycraft on that point, because that, that is an interesting strange. data point. 
Yeah, it's very strange. And I just assume that they have magnifiers that have already been made that they are sort of codified in. They're like grandfathered in. But the the any the creation of any new probably is the problem. That is the only way I could wrap my head around it. But um, so she's they bring their uh, so she's thinking if it works she's going to use. So Hannah tells Juliet she's thinking if it works she's going to use it to help other people. Cut to Juliet who is sleeping on the floor. It's modern day. Billings to sheriff. Billings to sheriff. She actually answers him, which surprises me. What do you think of her answering him here when she's clearly like almost like a fugitive on the on the run? I think that she felt bad enough from him chewing her out and the subject of turning it off previously that she just kind of made a mental note to leave it on. Probably she actually should have put it on silent, but I, I think I, I think his chew out conversation previously had an effect on her. He says she needs to come to the office, and she does, strangely enough, when she gets there judicially searching everything. This this strikes me as funny. I don't know if it's funny or it's inconsistent, but judicial's trying to arrest her, right? Wasn't that how the last episode ended? Yes. Why don't they just arrest her here? Why does she think that she can go back to her office? Well, because they were trying to catch her red-handed. Like, they can't okay. arrest her based on the camera footage. Because then they'd have, they have to reveal to. what that is. Exactly. So when she got out of there and they weren't able to catch her with the hard drive in the place, then all of a sudden they couldn't arrest her anymore. So, so now they're just look, they're, now they're looking for some... Huh, this is the situation where you've got a confidential informant. You can't reveal who that person is. So you're looking to have that informant or other situations connect to some other crime or means by which you then can tie back to your secret actual method of information. This is like, you know, when, when we cracked Enigma in World War II and couldn't actually, you know, always directly interfere with German operations because they'd realized we cracked their code. So we had to insert means of explaining why we were there at any given moment, uh, you know, interfering with their plans. When she gets there, judicial search and everything, Billings explains that Meadows ordered to search for unregistered relics. He asked the question. The real question is why she did it. Juliet picks up on the look Billings is giving her and says, why are you looking at me? I turned in the last relic. And he's like, yeah, what about your little visit with her yesterday? Her being Judge Meadows, Juliet says, nothing happened. She brought Meadows eggs and bacon. She's sick as a dog. The guy, however, slammed, uh, or the guy, uh, the guy named, um, I can't read my notes here, but... Um, the lead judicial dude? The lead judicial slams something, and Billing doesn't like that. And Billings is like, hey, that's you know, basically unnecessary. You're going too far. He shouts the guy down. You realize it's a blank violation of the pact. He goes on to cite it, chapter and verse. Law enforcement premises cannot be searched without extreme probable cause. Do you hear what I'm saying? Huh? Juliet, yeah, bud. I'm not sure exactly what extreme probable cause is, but it sounds big. Yeah, I don't think there's a... Yeah, that doesn't seem to be like a great tidy definition of extreme is there a legal <laughs> definition of extreme uh, uh extreme can factor into certain legal situations but usually not assigned to probable cause which usually needs much more defined terms you would think juliet flashes back to her childhood home being searched as she hid in the other room some guys there leading it one of the people see her and she shuts the door here hannah explaining that she felt lost and this was the one thing she could do uh, it's interesting most of the judicial guys we've seen are not sadists that they're cold, they do their job, they're willing to be brutal with respect to it. This this judicial leader in the flashback, this guy enjoys his job. This guy is almost enjoying chewing on a bit of wallpaper in terms of how much he's hamming it up as part of, you know, wrecking their house. Is this Sims's father? I don't know. 
I don't know. I, we know that Simms' dad worked in the you know, kind, of, kind of more secret, higher-level level of judicial in some shape or form. But I... He worked in the janitor's closet. The janitor's closet is the wall of windows. So he would be leading these type of judicial search parties. Maybe. Very possible. Yeah, I think I think, I think it's his dad. Um, so one of the people there see her, shut the door. We hear Hannah explaining that she felt lost. And this was the one thing she could do. She's trying to kind of explain herself. So imagine if we had something like this for Jacob. We, I mean, we could. Uh, I would have stopped. Other families from going through the same thing, and she's talking to Juliet's dad. Juliet's dad's like, "I felt lost too, but you can't just start making unsanctioned devices." And then they have this argument, right? She questions why magnifiers against schools in the first place. I have that question too. Thank mm. you, Hannah. Good fucking question. Got nothing on that. Nor does the dad. He says, "Well, it's the rules," and she's like, "Well, you're good at following rules." And he's like, "Well, what does that mean?" And then they get this couple bickering back and forth. She accuses him of turning on her. He's all high and mighty about that. How could you even suggest such a thing? Oh, grasping, clutching his pearls. She asked how else they could have known. Because there are fucking whispers everywhere, he whispers to her. Mm-hmm. He says she hasn't been subtle with the glass and the metal deliveries to the door. Didn't know you could get door-to-door delivery, though, in the silo. They do have Amazon down there. Nice to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can, can, can you get takeout? Uh, yeah, boy, I hope so. Uber Eats down there. A couple. What, uh, what do they call them? What do they call the runners? We got uh, the runners. Take your food back and forth. I suddenly blanked on what the word for is for the runners. Um, it, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. But have you tried the Chinese place on floor fifty six to die for? That's a good question. Do you think they have any sort of ethnic food there, or is it nothing but like Salisbury steak every night? I didn't think they would have meat, so I'm continually being surprised at what is you know present in the average diet and world of the silo. He also calls out Hannah taking Juliet to the farm after hours. And she's, please, Hannah, just give them what they want before they tear down our entire home. She's pissed and just says, I hope whatever you're getting out of this is worth it. So she has clearly pinned this on her husband. It is her husband's fault. He did it. He's the big problem. Not only, I think she's she's blaming him in two ways. Not only is he the problem in the sense that she thinks he gave her up, but he also is emblematic of the problem. He's somebody who just follows the rules and doesn't question things, right? So she really... Uh, you know what I'm going to say this? I'm going to say the love is gone. The love is firmly very obviously gone. The only it's thing gone. that she ha- that she has in her heart right now is this invention. It's stopping other people from suffering the pain that she's feeling from. I also offer this as a very accurate demonstration of why parents should really work hard to keep their kids out of their arguments or even from observing their arguments because we get to see here that her mom's suspicions and accusations fundamentally warp Juliet's consciousness and her perception of her father for like the next 15 years. Longer, really. And that's fan- not right or fair. I think it's a fantastic point you've raised there. I think it's a good thing to highlight. I have nothing to add other than bravo, wonderful point. Hmm. Um, so she's she walks out. She says, stop, stop, I'll give it to you. So the guy gets... The guy who I'm going to call Sims' father, because that's my head headcanon now, mm-hmm. um, tells him to stand down. She then starts pulling the whole thing out. It's hidden in different places in plain sight, but she constructs it there. What a smart That was way. cool. That was cool. That I was like very that. very cool. It's all over the place, and they just don't know how to pull it, put it together. That was a very, very awesome thing. And now, another thing that that does is tells us that they were never going to find it. So without her cooperation, they were never going to figure out how to get this thing, right? But she puts it together. And everyone's fascinated by it. Then the guy puts a hammer to it and breaks the whole fucking thing down. Mm-hmm. It's now the animal. Now, question for you, Spencer. Why? And fuck, why the fuck 
Do they need the animal? Why? Was, what, what is this doing? Was this guy going to hit a rabbit with a hammer in front he of everybody? He was going to kill the rabbit. Yeah. Like, why? Why? What the fuck, dude? Just take it back to the farm. The rabbit's not going to share secrets with anybody. Are you worried that the rabbit's going to inspire rebellion among the other rabbits? Are it you afraid that? No sense to me. Are you afraid that they installed a relic inside the bunny? I mean, like, no. The implication in this scene is this guy's going to kill a rabbit with a hammer like Gallagher in front of everybody. But I don't get it. It's, uh, it, it's further informing me that this guy, and also it's based on the expression on his face when he's smashing the smashing magnifiers, this guy's just here to break shit. This guy's here to make people cry. This is what gives this guy his jimmies. Do you think that um, Bernard, who was clearly leading this thing 30 years ago, uh, was sitting there going, all right, now when you get up there, if there's a chance to be more evil, take it. Yes. If, if, do you have a mustache, and can we get you a mustache that you can just kind of twirl while you're saying these things? Because we need to add to the images of judicial being dressed in black evil. Do you have a detonator countdown? Make sure you set a detonator <laughs> countdown. I don't need a bomb. Just the uh, countdown. Just make do, sure you scare them. And remember, to end every sentence with, and your little dog too. Just uh, co- complete, complete the visual. So... He says that they can't tell him where the animal is. If they can tell him where the animal is, he'll drop the charges against the farmer. So now he's upset at the farmer for giving the fucking animal over. Mm. Hannah says it died and they ate the meat and composted the rest. Check this part out, Spencer. Fucking Darth Vader looks at Hannah, stares at Hannah, looks briefly at the husband. The husband gives a brief nod and the guy goes, okay, cool, we're out. That was interesting. That was interesting. I posit to you, he was the rat. You do think he was the rat? I do think he was the rat. I think that that moment right there is the proof we needed. I think the show is giving. I think the show is at least giving us that possibility, or at least otherwise, just saying that he's a trusted enough figure that he could talk to judicial to add to his guilt later that he didn't do more to try to you know stop or prevent them or otherwise reassure them. That instead he decided to you know support the you know, protect the rabbit rather than protect his wife's dream. Um, but I will agree that there it at least offers, if we if you want to mine that particular hole, a possibility there that judicial is looking at him for the nod before they're deciding to go. He wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna drop the rabbit thing unless the, the guy told unless the husband told unless Sir George Marmont told him that. So like, yeah, I think I think that's evidence they were working together. And so there you go. I'm going to write for right now. By what the show is giving me, that no, Juliet is believing the reports that she read that it was, you know, seen information through cameras or whatever else. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're right. I think they. I think we could we could pull on either thread. But in any case, I think it does show that they certainly viewed the father as one of them. Judicial. I mean, they trusted him in the moment. Hundred percent, and that he is willing. And this one's this one's interesting. Is that you know. He allowed his wife's device to be destroyed, but he was willing to lie to the face of judicial to protect his daughter's bunny. Correct. That's an interesting of what hill he's choosing to die on here. Yeah, well, that's because, let me explain this as somebody without kids. Let me explain kids to you. <laughs> Please, go um, on. You know more yeah, than I do. It, I, I love doing this. I love explaining things that I have no experience in to other people. Everyone, please um, write in your comments commenting on Lee's, on, on Lee's opinion people, here. People like their kids more than their spouse, right? I mean, not, not I'm not like, people, look, people listening to this, like, don't get all bent out of shape that I'm talking about you specifically. I'm talking about in the <laughs> aggregate. Let's just aggregate the, all the love 
that all parents, all let's do this, all the love across the whole world that all fathers have for daughters, and then all the love across the whole world that fathers have for spouses. The daughters is bigger, right? Yeah, it's one of those things. It's a of, bigger amount. It's one of those things where I almost feel like it's become a cultural trope now that confronted with that kind of situation, it's almost like everyone expects that you'll choose the daughter over your spouse. They're almost like you're supposed to. Yeah, I think that that I think that like on the average, I think that that's what we can expect. Now, every you know, there's all kinds of different cases around the world, right? But like, I think that's a fair enough thing, right? But I, I do think it's a good thing to call out that like. He stuck his neck out for his daughter. He was willing to kill that fucking magnifying glass. I also think it could have stood. Now, let me argue with myself. Because instead of, like, this being some sort of, like, measuring stick of love, what it could be is just, like, he felt like the magnifier thing was a fucking vanity project and stupid. But a pet for his daughter seems reasonable to him, right? So it might have just been, like, him thinking through, like, it just might have been his own preference. It, it also could be that... <laughs> We've heard what, like, the most serious crimes are, and apparently magnifiers are up there. I'm guessing Bunny is probably a misdemeanor in terms of just, like, you know, what what is the punishment for having this particular item? I would be stunned if Judicial made a, made, made a distinction between misdemeanor and felony crimes. The magnifier is, like, you know, a self-made relic. A bunny? <laughs> a bunny? It does... I, I refuse to believe a bunny qualifies as any kind of relic unless they're worried that it will trigger some cultural memory of Bugs Bunny or something. I'll say this. If we jump to modern oh. day, where we are in the story, what? Pez is a bunny, isn't it, actually? Right? No, it's a duck. Never mind. Sorry. No, Read that wrong. Duck. Okay, just make sure. Yeah. So if we cut to modern day, modern day Juliet, where she's at in this story right now, where I'm at in the recap, if she had a bunny, it would be a world-class felony. <laughs> You better fucking believe it. If she has anything, it's a fucking the worst crime ever committed. Yeah, this is a world where they're watching her for jaywalking so that they can actually get her on what they really want to convict her for. Whew, yeah, she's not rocking, walking on the right side of the silo hallway. Like, you're out. I, I think she's walking too slow down that hallway. That's an offense. The judicial department thanks you for your time and cooperation. And we get sad music. She turns and looks at the husband and the dad swears he didn't do it. I swear, I promise I didn't. And in my notes, in parentheses, but what about the nod? Exclamation point. The dad then says he'll pick everything up, but clearly Juliet is mad at him too, which is your point, which was a fantastic one, which was that Juliet, regardless of the fact, this little girl doesn't have the facts. She has just, she doesn't, she's not arguing at, uh, with this in her head on the level that we are, right? She's not an adult. She's not seeing everything. She believes this because her mother believes it. Because yeah. her mother yet hurled that at her father in a moment of anger. She believes that, and that's a real fucking problem. And I think from what we've kind of seen elsewhere, maybe even just with her mom bringing her along with these, you know, illicit assignments and everything else, maybe she was a bit of a mama's girl anyway, and that just further fed that she's going to trust her mom over her dad when it comes to this. Made all the worst when her mom leaves her life shortly thereafter. Cut to Juliet. Pulls the rabbit out. She holds it. Cut to modern day. Judicial search of the sheriff's department. They come up to her and say they want to check her bag. At first she says, fuck no, no, no chance, it's not happening. And, but then they basically physically threaten her. He starts calling other people over. So he does a thorough check and they leave. Nothing in there. So she's clearly gotten, gotten rid of the hard drive before now. Mental note to all people in the silo. If you want to hide something, hide it on your person. Because they don't even do a pat down of Juliet to find out whether she's just keeping it in her blouse or something. Not before Juliet calls him an asshole, though. They leave, but not before she calls him an asshole. 
Julia goes to the office, complaining that Billings used to work with them. He calls them overcompensating fuckwads, which... <laughs> Earned a laugh from me. I was shocked, too. Is what? I cuss. She confirms that, uh, that with him, this is personal. With Sims, this is personal. She asserts that Meadows didn't do this. She signed the warrant, is what Billings throws back at her. And she goes, no, when I was there, something didn't feel right. I don't think she's the one calling the shots. Juliet guesses the real boss is Sims. So like in most things, Juliet's like 50% right. Like she's got, she got it nailed that Meadow is a front, but she doesn't have the, the real boss hammered, right? She has deduced conspiracy. She does not know the players. Billings is astonished by that fact. He enforces the fact. He's not some power hungry. And then what's interesting to me is that Juliet, this is where Juliet really, the wheels fall off of, of her skill set, is that she does not, like, let's back up, Juliet. Let's sit down for a second. You have a real strong reason to suspect that Meadows isn't pulling the, the strings. Your thought that it's Sims who is, is you filling in the blank. You don't really know that one, right? Mm-hmm. It would behoove you to listen to other people about Sims when they're offering you information, especially Billings, who worked with them for a long time. Late, late, late. I need you to just repeat back to yourself what you just said. You just asked listen. Juliet to listen to other people and value their opinion in terms of her doing what she feels is her job. I just started a sentence with, I'm going to reassure Spencer, didn't I? <laughs> you very much did, yes. Fuck, yeah, you can't do that. She's not going <laughs> to listen to him, but she should, because he. I think he. I honestly think he's offering her some valuable intel here when he starts the sentence. He's not some power hungry, but she cuts him off and says, Simmons has wanted to take me out since day one, and he's not going to stop until I'm in that cell or over the fucking rail. And Billings is right, as we find out later, that Sims is, a, that Sims is just doing what he thinks his job is to the utmost of his ability. He's not trying to, you know... No. grow his own base of power. He legitimately feels that what he is doing is serving the pact and the silo on behalf of the orders of those above. Exactly. Juliet confirms with Billings that this was an illegal search and seizure. He says they skipped a lot of steps. She says, you're coming with me to judicial. He says, to do what? Cut to Sims and judicial. And he's giving the guy all kinds of shit for not bringing back a hard drive. That's all he found in her office. Did you didn't look hard enough? And he says that they're going to talk to every porter. Porter, that's what it is. That's yeah, the yeah, yeah. Porter. Wait, wait until um, we got there, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Juliet storms in. Says, Robert Sims, you are under arrest. Whoa, there's a move. What would you think of this move by Juliet? Just coming in and arresting him for an illegal search. We talked about before that Juliet's just engaging in, like, you know, that season-ending kind of move at every available opportunity. That, you know, Juliet only knows how to go to an 11. She does not know how to engage in any move other than that. It's an interesting play here. It buys her time. But this is in the category of, well, even working under the assumption that you had any further rope to hang yourself with, it's gone. You're at the end of the news now. The moment this goes wrong, and it will, they're just going to kill you. And they but this do. Is, but this is one of the many reasons I adore Juliet. Because this move is like, I just sit back and I'm like, what well, you're... I just chef's kiss it. It's like, you're going to die in like, I don't know, six minutes. But like, wow, Powerful. what a fucking move. It's, what it, an amazing move. It's clever. It, it not Juliet is consistently good at not, it's surprising the other side. She would be, I'll tell you what kind of chess player she would be. She'd lose. But she would piss off the really good players. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched a chess match with really good people. Mm-hmm. But, like, if somebody moves in a way they're, like, not supposed to or whatever, like, the, the real good players get mad at each other. Yeah. 
Like they'll, like they'll get they'll get mad on behalf. Like you, they'll get mad like not. Hey, that move was so good it messed me up. It was, dude, you didn't do the right move, and now I can't do my seventy right moves. Right. I'm like you've screwed everything up because you're incompetent. I, basically, I, I, I'm having to rebuild my plan to deal with your lack of understanding of what actual prime moves are. Which is exactly what Juliet would be like as a chess player, I feel like. I think she would just frustrate everybody. I think Juliet would sit down, stare at the board, stare at her opponent, flip the board over, declare herself the victor, and leave. And there's an but, element of that, what she's doing right here. Quite possibly. Sims is a little confused. He's like, well, I, I told Meadows you'd be pissed. But she says, fuck Meadows, you're under arrest for breaking back investigation protocol. Which is a phrase she clearly just made up. Sims like, well, if we're just making up crabs, Juliet prompts Debbie Billings putting him in a really tough situation without man I gotta tell you her people management skills something to be desired because she just doesn't even she's putting him in a really tough situation and she should be able with the information she has to know this is going to be a difficult situation for Billings she could have at least talked to him before she did this she could have said hey are you comfortable with this can you help me if not what can we do instead she throws it to him in the middle of this room and he is left to recite chapter and verse about illegal search and seizure, which this phrase, my question for you, the phrase search and illegal search and seizure, that sounds very like American judicial system, doesn't it? It does, yes. And then, and then we got we're, the, we're we in got Georgia, the, apparently. We got the map of Georgia, so it makes me think that this silo might be in America. Uh, you, you, do, you th- do you think that we uh, were like underneath Augusta or something like that? Oh, Augusta's still fine. Augusta's still doing great. Yeah, when the, they're cockroaches, man. When the whole world ends, they, they're going to be okay. They have plenty of money down there, dude. It's okay. This jacket. Just wonder we're where they have the resources the to build this thing. Sims then but starts. It, you hit a good point, though, by the way, is that Juliet, as much as she's pissed at George right now for using her, Juliet's a bit of a user when it comes to those around her. She takes people to accomplish her own objectives and is not either not really thinking about what the consequences are or just gets mad at them when they're not willing to submit themselves to the risks that will be required for what your plans are. We every see that single a lot. person, every single person that she I'm putting in quotes partners with this episode, she does not properly inform of the risk of what she's asking them to do before asking them to do it and she has a Way too firm a hand with all three. Even her dad. But it ends up working out with her dad because they, they, they work some stuff out. But, like, she still is pushing him with regard to, like, this whole operation, this whole flamekeeper operation, without any sort of warning or any sort of, like, consent. She's just like, hey, just do this. Yeah. And then we get, the, we get the scene with Stargazer later, which is, like, almost unforgivable what she does with him. Like, she's just out of control this episode. She really is. Yeah, and were it a different character, I might say that she's just, you know, at the end of her rope. She's desperate, and so she's do, engaging well, look, in acts to be out of, of character. That. It is a part of that. But we have also seen a, a thread of this behavior throughout the entire season. We're just now seeing it dialed up even more. Well, that, isn't that kind of how it is with stress, though? Like, people become the worst versions of themselves, but it's still a, it's still a version of themselves, right? It's still right. coming from something that they are. It's just fucking amplified and it, magnified. It is, a, it is a realistic demonstration of the out-of-character trope. Truly, when people in real life are acting out of character, it's more that an aspect of the personality is just dialed up. Sim then starts making fun of Billings for winning the Pact B. Billings keeps a stiff upper lip, which he should. He should be proud of that. Fuck that guy for making fun of him for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sims then Metals on the saying, wall. 
Simpson starts saying he had nothing to do with the search, which we know is bullshit, because just seconds before Juliet walked in, he was talking about the search and what he wanted to find in the search, etc. Juliet says, your agent's broke protocol and I'm holding you responsible. You don't like it. You take it up with Meadows. Juliet tells Billings to cut, cuff him. That is an unbelievable situation. She doesn't even cuff him himself. She should be the one cuffing this guy because she's the one that cooked this whole plan up. It's just she makes Billings do it. couple things on that. One is you have... You know that Billings is going to have some um, conflicted loyalties here. He's going to have some difficulties with doing this with Sims, somebody he knows. Also, Juliet, you know his handshake. Please don't make him do anything with his hands. In high-stress situations. What is wrong with you? That, that, that that, That part right there in Stargazer later... The maddest I've met Juliet. I've been at Juliet this whole series. Like, unbelievably angry that she didn't think, I'm putting him in this stressful situation and I'm asking him to stick his hands out in front of Sims and do something with them. But Lee, you're a loyal Juliet girl, uh, person. You've, you've adored oh, her from the word go. She, she's you your Juliet. girl. Yes, we love Juliet. How could you be saying these things about her right now? Because she's wrong. But we still love her. Yeah, Juliet's a good character because she is an anti-hero. There are things. This is a character that is not a perfect white hat, or is just not. You know, she has fundamental flaws as a person. We get to see a lot of them as she goes about still being the hero of the show. Yeah, she certainly does, and I think it's. I think that's the fun part of being a Juliet fan is that you're like. Rooting for her, rooting for her, but you're like, Jesus, hey, is it like three or four times an episode? You're like, Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Um, yep. That she's got some bad bad behavior here. But anyway, Billy does cuff him, takes Sims out while Juliet orders all the stuff to be put back. Put all the shit back. Way it was. Or I'll have your ass. Sims tells her she'll regret it, and Billings takes him out. She responds, I doubt that. And I think <laughs> her I think her doubt that is interesting because it's like even at the end of the episode, I'm not sure she regrets it. Like I, I think yeah. I think he I think he phrased it wrong. I think he should have said you'll pay for this. Because he, I don't think you'll ever get her to regret it. Yeah, Juliet just... Closest we see to regret from Juliet this episode is when it comes to her dad. And that one was a long time coming and very personal. When it comes to anything that she's doing to Sims right now, there is not a regretful aspect to her being. She tells him the better place... Uh, or the place uh, better look like you were never there as she walks out. And weirdly, uh, that leaves her in Sims's office. She uses the opportunity to close the door and look around, which she... I kind of call bullshit on this that one of Sims' assistants wouldn't have been like, hey, what the fuck? I don't think they would have all left her in there. Um, but anyway, she's in there and she starts looking around and she finds a file on Hannah Nichols. She opens it looking at her mom's picture, cut to Juliet's dad. He walks in and sees Juliet. Jules, he greets her, asks how things are. So now she's going to have a conversation with her father. Yeah, I'm with you on calling a certain degree of bullshit. It, its purpose appears to be to offer this kind of reconciliation with her dad that she read something in the file that convinced her that you know the judicial had their own sources for the information you're not going to debate whether that's perfect a perfect complete story or not but I, i'm 100 with you it's like i do not believe for a second the judicial would allow any person other than judicial to be alone in a room with files no they, they he has administrative lackeys around who are going to stand there and at least watch her while she does this 100%. But anyway, she has this conversation with her dad, and um, she says, "Why didn't you want mom to build a magnifier?" Dad gets ready for Juliet to yell at him, and she's like, "No, no, no I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually here to listen now." Which she is. She wants to know why her mom killed herself, and he takes a breath, walks over to the table, closes the door, and he has this monologue. Which, you know, it's really look. All right, you know I'm a basketball fan. 
Yeah, yeah. You also know I don't like LeBron James. Worth a shit. Not a big fan. <laughs> it's surprisingly come up a lot, yeah. Yeah, but guess what? He's 38 years old, and I just watched him the other night. He's in his 21st NBA season. They needed a bucket. He put his head down. He went right to the rim. He got two points. The fucking guy is good. Ian Glenn put just put his head down and went to the basket for two points in this monologue. This is a great fucking monologue from this actor. It's so, it's so good. I did not know where you were going with that, but you landed that one successfully. Yeah, I got that, right? But, yeah. man, isn't he fantastic? Like, I, this whole thing, like, made me care so much. Like, I was so out on this fucking dad at the beginning of this episode, or beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and he gets through this thing. I, I, I still think he turned, turned her in, but I also kind of have affection for the guy. Like, I actually kind of like him. Um, I, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but he, he talks about how the her death, or at least her her killing herself, was not about the magnifier necessarily. It was about loss. It was about how they how she handled the death of her son. And he has this wonderful line where he says, wonderfully sort of poetic and painful. He says, "Loss affects people differently. Sometimes it shrinks your world, draws you inward." And he explains that that's what it was for him. Um, he says that she wanted answers, so she stopped caring about the line. And he then he goes, then he says this. He says, I should have stopped judicial on that day. Because so we got the flashback, and he's talking about that day. He says, he should have done something. Mm-hmm. And I get the impulse. I understand it. It's very human. Especially particularly kind of male, right? Like, that is the sort of thing you hear It, men, it was my duty say, to protect like, yeah, them. <laughs> I should have just punched the guy in the face and, like, did a thing. and rah, rah, rah. But it's also where men often fail. Because it's like, you want to tell, tell them, like, I, maybe this feels good to say this. And if so, say it. But you know you really shouldn't have done anything, right? Yeah. Well, like you really shouldn't have. Let, let, let's discuss futility for a moment here. Like, you know, you trying to intervene would just have mean probably you both would have been snapped clean, really. It's like, you know, you... I mean, the mom went on to kill herself. So it was kind of important that the dad be around, right? Like, <laughs> she, was, she was clearly not in a good place. That, that whole situation did not resolve well. And Juliet needed a caretaker. Now, she ended up going off to mechanical or whatever. But, like, how, she how, how does him going to jail help anything? As you said, this is a very kind of classical guilt response of where if only I'd done something, I could have done something. It's trying to make sense of an unfair world kind of response to things. And he says that he left Juliet down in mechanical because she'd like it more than being with him, even though he hated it. And... I call like 12% bullshit on that because I do think he was relieved to not have to deal with his daughter anymore because he did draw inward and he did just want to focus on his work. Mm-hmm. Like that's clearly where that guy's headspace was. But I do think it raises a sort of interesting like universal question about love. Like if you really love somebody, can you and you know that the best thing for that person is to never speak to you again, can you do it? It, can can you do that? Like that's that's a difficult question. Very difficult question. I, I what I would I can only imagine how much I would really struggle with. Um, it's interesting too how he phrases it as well. Answer it right now. Uh, totally, I would leave all loved ones behind. I'm totally inward focused. You know, all all the rest of you people can rot. <laughs> um, understand? We all know it's true. Come on. Uh, but no. What, in terms of the way that he phrases this, he also says that you know I sent you down there so you could fix things and not chase impossible answers. So he's also even phrasing it too about yeah, I, uh, what, 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 uh, you know, what, uh, thought it was a good place for you, whatever else. But it's also like I wanted to protect you from yourself and the natural tendencies I thought you would have along your mom's way. And Juliet kind of like acknowledges that and then almost says regretfully, "And yeah, here I am right now." 
Just doing exactly says, what you're worried about. And he says, here you are, and I cannot help but think it might have been just a touch of a little homage to Here I Stand. Uh, hey, I hadn't thought about that. Sure, well done. Here still, I Stand, How still, Smart My Words. Yeah, still, I think still it was my, a little, little touch of that. Still one of my favorite moments in season one of Game of Thrones when he says that to the prince. Yet here I stand. Yeah, here I am. Here you are. Like you know, still, still same sort of thing. Anyway, she says she blamed you. You know, she thought she had reported it. I did too. Juliet admitting this. He says, "I swear to you, I never, ever, ever, ever." And he's saying it over and over again. As she comes up, hugs him. She explains the whole fucking cameras in the room thing. She starts to explain that to him. He's sort of trying to play catch up. Yeah, but I wouldn't describe him as overly shocked. No. I don't, and I, I think we've already gotten some hints that he's, if not perfectly in the know, has profound suspicions about the degree to which they're being monitored. Yeah, I mean, he didn't seem shocked about the cameras, but he is trying to catch up. And they, a maintenance person comes, Juliet sends him off knowing that that's not going to last very long. And she seems to think that that maintenance person was going to put a camera into the room they're standing and I tend to agree with I, I assume this would be a judicial guy in maintenance drag was my assumption for what this was going to be yeah and then they hug and it, you know Juliet's getting pretty emotional here and she tells him that she believes him that he did not rat out the mother right that it, that was not <laughs> that was not his doing and, and, and you and you assume this is a primed hand grenade waiting to go off next season ah <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. In my notes, and I, I distinctly had this feeling the first time I watched it, I questioned, did you get the feeling that might be the last time they see each other? Because that was a very a very emotional goodbye. And like you know how TV shows do. They do this sort of like, eh, you can kind of see it coming, last goodbye. I, I'm in the category of, I don't think it's the last time we'll... I think it's the last time we'll see Gloria. Like, literally, not only the characters there, I think it's the last time we will see her. I think we will see Ian Glenn again. I don't think Juliet will. I'm with you there. I think we'll see an ex. We'll see an exit of the character in a way that she won't. Yeah, so she's going down the silo, walking the silo, walking the silo, walking the silo. Uh, and lo and behold, checkpoints, my friend. Checkpoints. Checkpoints, and you know, it's it's actually you know it's not too bad. You just have to take your shoes off, take your belt off, take uh, your backpack, the, laptops but, out of the backpack, put it through the sir, scanner. Sir, have you seen Silo Pre? Because I strongly recommend it. It's an excellent way to travel up and down the silo. You know the interesting thing about Silo Pre is mm. that uh, around the silo, people have been saying you got to get Silo Pre for so long that I have seen the Silo Pre line be longer than the regular line well, lately. That's, that's lovely that you mentioned that. They now have Silo Entry. So you just got to really look into that now as an option. Have you seen that happen at airports where yes. the, the TSA pre-line is longer than the regular line? I feel like it goes up and down where people get pissed about it and so people don't re, you know, re-sign up for TSA pre and then it goes and then the lines go down again. It's still, from what I've seen, it is still better than waiting in regular line. I still enjoy TSA pre, particularly at certain airports. Like, you ever been to Portland before? Portland, Oregon? No. Uh, dear God, I don't know how anyone can travel there without TSA pre because at 5 a.m. in the morning... The line is out the door if you're if you're trying to wait in the regular line. Yeah, well, I, so th- that sounds horrible, obviously. But like, I will say this: my general stance on the CSA pre and the, the clear and all of that is we live in a society, and <laughs> yes. 
And when you live in a society, sometimes you just have to play by the rules. You know, this reminds me of a conversation we had on a podcast that we do called Fast Food Furious, which is like the probably the best concept for a podcast we've ever had, where we review a fast food franchise and then one of the movies in the Fast and Furious franchise at the same time. Fantastic, fantastic idea for a podcast. And we were, we were talking about McDonald's, and our friend BJ, who I adore, mm-hmm. said that he likes to order extra salt on his hamburger so they have to cook it fresh right before it comes to him. And I said, dude, we live in a society. Like, everybody can't get special treatment. <laughs> Like, if you do that, the whole system falls apart. Like, how about this, everybody? I know mm-hmm. this is not popular. We're going to mm-hmm. lose, lose all our listeners here. How about this? Just build the time in to your schedule to get to the airport no. to wait in the line. No. I, I want you to don't know. need to go to the special line. You don't have to pay the extra $100 to do the whole fancy thing. Just, you live in a society. Play by the rules. How about that? Uh, no, it's going to be toll roads on every road eating up half the extra lanes. It's going to be sp- Four or five specialty categories of how you can pay extra money to go faster through security, which, as much as I like, I, as much as I end up paying for those kind of services, I also fully respect that what the way you're implying it does make the regular option that much more shitty. It's the it's like when it's like when they build a toll road and don't build more lanes, they just eat up three of the existing lanes for a toll road kind of thing. Yes, it just make which is inevitably what happens. And most they're building like one extra lane, otherwise they're eating yeah, extra the lanes. True. Yes. <laughs> what you're doing is you're creating an exclusive category of making everybody else's life a little bit worse. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how about like. You know, like when I get to my local airport, I know I'm in for about a 20 minute wait. So I build that into the fucking schedule. I just do the 20 minutes like that because we live in a society. That's that's what I have to say about the issue. I'm sure everybody disagrees. I, I with just paid to renew my TSA pre the other day, so I cannot say that I'm, I'm fully on the same page as you here. I'm in a hotel right now. I travel all the time. I'm not getting PSA pre. It ain't happening. <laughs> Uh, this is also the kind of things I can't buy you. I can't like I should arrange for you to have TSA pre. <laughs> I, I know you can't Amazon it against my will. You can't make me get it. Damn, I, 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 we have a friend. We have a friend that maybe will make this happen. So back somehow back to the recap. Uh, one of the guys asked her to speed things up because he's like he, she's still he's still looking at her like the sheriff. He's like yeah. okay, look like they're they're searching all my shit. Can you like do something about this? Cut to him. He's in jail. And oh my gosh, he's like Hannibal Lecter in jail, man. He's just creeping everybody out. He's, he's like, how about you give me a cup of coffee? And the he, guy's like, should I do that or not? I don't know. He is. This is Sims having more fun than we've seen Sims had in a lot of episodes. I think he's actually enjoying the fact that he's not in a position of power right now and can just wield what authority he has to manipulate one person. Yeah, and he, first off, now they definitely have coffee beans. They definitely have coffee beans. 100%. This is not like, you know, 150, you know, 140 plus year old coffee reserves they're working from here. They just make a pot of coffee each day. It's also not like what we suspected in Last of Us, which is like they just take really strong tea leaves and just call that coffee. I think that's probably what they're doing there. They literally have Colombian blend. Yeah, they've got coffee. They got a coffee floor where they're growing coffee beans. And he says to this poor fucking sheriff, um, if that's all right, and he actually asks him, like, the guy actually asked Sims. No, let me go back up. Sims says, let me use your radio. And yeah. the guy's like, no. But then he goes, no, if that's all right. Yeah, it's like, if you're having to seek permission to tell somebody no, you don't really well have the yes. power here. Might as well tell him yes, right? Yeah. Sims says, I understand, and says this line. I won't hold it against you, which is the <laughs> idea that he's going to hold things against people here. So the guy's completely fucking terrified. Billings gets, you know, like, and it's another thing. Juliet, 
we're big Juliet fans. You probably more so than me. I mean, you're such a big fan. But sure. Like, not like look at the positions she put everybody in her department in, and she did not give them any warning. And the, all these people here who are having to deal with Sims, she didn't. She could have called a fucking departmental meeting and says, "I'm going to arrest Sims. If you're not with it, go home now." How much respect would she have garnered if she'd have done that? Instead, she puts them all in this impossible situation to deal with. Question. We haven't seen Juliet talk to a single other officer, right? I don't think she does. So, do any of these people... These, I'm willing to bet even... I'm not even willing to assume anything happened off camera. I'm willing to bet, literally, Billings and that one secretary who is now left are the only people that she ever interacted with at that job. So... She's kind of just not even thinking about expecting these people to, like, follow what paths she set them on of all collectively falling on their own swords, when she has not given them a single level of human caring to date. Yeah, I, it's, <laughs> she, it is an impossible situation she puts everybody in. Not like, not, like, necessarily just in the moment, but just, like, how are you expecting them to work and participate in your organizational structure when you've given them zero leadership we are we are how are they supposed to like care what we saw of juliet in terms of how she went about her job in engineering has continued through in every other aspect of her life and work that that juliet we saw then has now been put into a different setting and is still being that juliet what i'm doing the thing in front of me right now is the most important thing that's ever been done. Like, in all, all, the hell with everything else. Right now, this thing in front of me, this this generator, fixing this generator right now is more important than anything anybody else in the silo has ever done. And I will literally punch people in the face if I think that they are any way even slowing me down at accomplishing that objective. Billings gets home and he missed missed his kid who's asleep. She's our, the Billings' wife already has dinner for him. He goes to get the plates and he drops them. Uh, the wife says that the trimmers have gotten worse since he's gone up there and he wants to... Nip that in the buddy doesn't like her drawing that conclusion. But he does say she put me in a position today where I had to choose between her and Sims. And her wife's like, well, that ain't a fucking hard decision at all, right? You went with Sims. And he's like, nah, it's more confusing than that. And the wife says, well, look, here's the, here's the scuttlebutt. Here's the fucking tea. Here's the news on the street. Yeah. The average Joe comments. What right here? Everybody thinks that she's laying the groundwork for rebellion. That's what all the people are talking about. They all think that she's going to fucking proclaim herself the dragon reborn and fucking attack everybody. Like, and- take all the armies and go. And as we, as we also see later, this leads me to believe that IT has been setting the groundwork to get her gone for a while now. That yeah, IT I mean, has been playing the information waves in terms of stoking popular opinion to being receptive to their sheriff needing to be removed. I mean, couldn't you just see, couldn't you just see Bernard with a big glass of that, that mayor's whiskey mm-hmm. kicking back going, I don't know, could we have some people say that she's starting a rebellion? What would it take to have 50 people say it on 50 different floors? And they're like, I don't know, 12 bucks. And he's like, do it, do it, done. And are you also willing to believe the number of articles that he's now been allowing to be released about increased tension at the lower levels, concerns uh, from unnamed sources about rebellion brewing? This guy oh, has been this stoking is, this. You, oh, yeah. So this is like, um, this is like their news is telling them, we have this real serious problem at the border. I mean, like down down at the border of the silo, down at the bottom of the silo at the border, it is the Where? most dangerous thing that has ever occurred in the history of borders is happening right now. You should be terrified in rural Ohio. Okay, I, I, wanted, I wanted to now know what your opinion is. On silo terms, where is the silo transition from, you know, 
Texas to Mexico in terms of like the popular consciousness. It's that little, it's that little tunnel. It's that little tunnel. We saw the tunnel. Right? <laughs> That's what does it right there. It's a little side tunnel. That's the border. And my God, is it bad down there, folks? You'll never believe it. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. Uh, so cut to walk. Uh, she's looking at something on the computer screen, and she then opens the door. She calls out to someone, Spencer. What in the high fuck is happening? She takes a step out into the hallway. And it's kind of. It, 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 it's fun. It, it, clearly, she's freaked out about this, but it freaks out their mutual friend who I totally don't remember the name of almost as much to see her outside. Terrified. And yeah, so anyway, I'm scared for her. She's struggling, but then she hears someone. It's Shirley. Shirley, why? why Shirley, thank walk, you. Walk, what the fuck? And she's like, well, I heard from Juliet. She's supposed to get her an hour ago. She was right to worry. Walk, ask if Shirley sees Jules. Let her know. Cut to Stargazer. Um, so, anything you want to say about Paul Walk here? I mean, I, I think that obviously... That's yeah, fine. I, I, it seems to me, and I, I like the writing just fine, is that they have used the fact that she never leaves her... She hasn't left her studio or her, her apartment in 20 years to be a really quick yardstick on her dedication to Juliet, right? If she's willing 100%. to leave for Jelly, Juliet, it just is a very quick way to tell you how much she loves her. 100%. Cool. Cut to Stargazer. A porter comes up to him and says, Lucas uh, Kyle, for you. Stargazer is waiting for her, maybe. He's, he's, cert- cert- he's, he's not maybe. waiting for this. <laughs> no, I think he. I think he's just there stargazing. It's what he does. But I think he was you know, hoping that maybe Juliet would come by so he could try to talk with her again. I'm 100% with you that this was not what he was expecting, nor probably in any sense of the word hoping for. Okay, so I know I'm getting like soapboxy this episode, so I apologize. Uh, actually, I don't really apologize. But I kind of do. <laughs> Go on. I mean, like, I mean everything I say, but like, I'm sorry if it comes off pretentious. But like, um, here's the thing I've seen people do this, and Juliet's falling into this trap, and it is like really unfair. Mm-hmm. Go on. She's subbing a boyfriend in for a new boyfriend and treating them exactly the same. She is treating Lucas like he's George. She's just talking to him, assuming that he is in she on whatever she's doing yeah. in the same way that she would expect for George. And it, he has given her no reason to suspect that he would be in on all of this highly illegal shit. And she just pulls him in and is like, do it. Yeah, we, we, we joked like an episode or two ago of where she was like, hey, Dad, first time I've seen you in 20 years. I need you to go commit a felony with me. Oh, you don't want to prove that? Well, fuck you then. I'm never going to see you again. That was how she treated her dad episode ago. Now with this guy, hey, guy that, you know, I immediately, you know, told off and ran away from the moment you tried to kiss me. I now need you to die for risk me. Risk your life. Yeah, I need you to risk your life here uh, because it's that important and you just have to trust me. And yes, I'm using you and who gives a fuck? Like, it's unbelievable what she does with this guy here. Like, it feels like she's trying to do a one-for-one one with George. But I also take your point, which is that she also just does this to everybody this episode. And she certainly does. It's pulling a china shop. It's just like the, mo- the, I, the thing in front of me is the most important thing. He says, you're using me. And she says, yeah, I'm using you. Like in this conversation, he, she says straight up, yeah, I'm going to use you right now because I don't have a choice. And that's just the way it is. Does she have any perspective that this was what she was getting? She was pissed about about George an episode or two ago about using people, <laughs> about viewing what your own personal goals or objectives are in terms of discovering the real thing is more important than manipulating individual lives. Does she have any perspective? I mean, she could certainly say with a straight face, this is a more extreme example than anything George was in. Sure, George probably still viewed his situation as being just as important. 
But does she get the similarities? I think if you brought that up to Juliet, she'd, she'd look at you, she'd get real quiet, and she would say, anyway, about the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I think that that's something she hadn't considered, but even if she considered it, I don't think she would change her the way she's approached it. And, that, and it's one of the things where I do respect the fact that she is desperate right now. She is trying to mine whatever potential hope that she has. And apparently just doesn't think that she can make it down to walk, I guess because of, you know, the uh, checkpoints and everything else, to be able to work from her or talk to her. Um, but it, it, from this guy's perspective that she's doing this to, I'm just feeling bad for this guy throughout this conversation most of the time. I feel terrible for him. It's unbelievable. Like, she, this guy might get thrown in jail for this conversation. She has just laid this at his feet. She's not asked any consent or permission to include him in illegal activities. And she's very clearly leveraging his romantic interest in her for her own personal gain. Like, she knows this guy likes me romantically, so I think, therefore, I think I can just force him to do things that will just benefit me in the moment. And it's just usury and kind of bullshit. Like, I, I this this part of the whole thing is the like the possibly the worst thing I've seen Juliet do in the sense that like there was no pretense for any of this like even in the conversation think back to the conversation she's had with Stargazer like they weren't talking about like man I really fucking hate the people who run the silo like none of that was coming up she just pulls him in a room and she's like hey boom here's a fucking top secret relic I'd like you to work with it on me and oh by the way I'm a fugitive from the law and oh by the way if you don't help me you're an asshole her what the fuck her, she makes an attempt to explain and connect that, and her attempt is, well, you're fascinated in stars. You want to know what the real mysteries of what's happening out there, so clearly you're on board to do this. Thumbs down. All the way around. Such a fucking it's a leap. Reach. The fucking shoulder is dislocated. She's reaching too hard. <laughs> it's unbelievable that what she does with this guy. I and mean, the guy, like, I don't, I think he's completely reasonable. He's just... He try, he's trying to get her. He's to just playing to play catch up throughout most yeah. of it. And, and he's starting to get her slow down a little bit. And she doesn't even let him explain his position because as soon as he starts saying, Yeah, but Juliet, the rules apply, she just cuts him off. I, like every time he starts talking, she cuts him off, and then she just gets mad and storms out of the room. How much of it is a def- how much of it is a defense that she literally does just have like five minutes? That she I, literally doesn't have the time to explain. If you give me five minutes, I can do a better job. You think you present the, it better? Even in the moment of just being like, hey, look. like I know, I know this I, is unfair. I know the, we haven't talked about this before. <laughs> I've got some, I got like a very sensitive thing that I'm working on here. And, you know, the powers that be of the silo aren't liking it. But I think I'm on to something important here. Are you willing to help me? Yes or no? Like it's very, it takes 10 seconds. Uh, Juliet does not ask that question in that way, my friend. And I don't, and here's the thing. Here's what I suspect, which I really don't like, is I think that she doesn't want to ask him that question because that's an easy way for him to get out of it. Instead, what she wants to do is throw all the illegal shit at him and scare him to half to death that he's already involved in Now you're a co-conspirator. And then he has to do it. Yeah, which is just even worse, right? Well, it's how she's treated Billings. It's what Billings called her out about, is that you need to at least tell me when you want to involve me in illegal shit. But Juliet continually, like like you called out this episode... Does not do that. Her way of getting people to, you know, work with her is to make it so they're complicit. Yeah, it's it's bullshit. But anyway, um, she ends up leaving, right? Um, she asks him again for help, and he says, "My." And it, here's the thing: he is explaining at the end of this conversation, like he's not even saying, 
like I kind of like my life. I like stargazing and chilling and like, you know, drinking whiskey on the weekends or whatever he does. He's not even thinking about himself. He's saying, if I do this, then I can't be a support for my older mother unless she needs me. Like I, I there's somebody who relies on me and I have a responsibility to her. And Juliet scoffs at that as if it's some sort of like juvenile selfish indulgence. It's like no, Juliet. Like what he's what he is explaining to you is that he's a really fucking good guy, and he cares about his mother, and that like factors into his decision. You should respect that, not scoff at it. Now, a few things he, that she says do rattle him, or at least get his attention, particularly particularly when she says the mayor and Marnes were murdered, because that's not public knowledge. That one has that that one's made no mileage. So you're absolutely things. right. That one, but then also the 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 camera gets into the, the, obviously he's like. But it's just coming too fast. He doesn't have time to process this, much less agree to what she's offering here. He's just, as you said, he returns to what matters to him the most. I've got family that I care about, and by even being here, I'm risking that right now. But, like, like normal people, right? Like, so if I'm trying to convince you of something, and I'm like, do this, do this, and you're like, well, no, I don't want to, and then I start throwing all of these really heavy facts at you, after you've said no in an attempt to get you to say yes, don't you take those heavy facts with a little bit more of a grain of salt? Because you know... That's human psychology you, right there. Yeah, you know they're only coming at you because the person's trying to commit you with something. Juliet would have been way better served to start the conversation with, you don't know this, but there's some bull fuck, fucking shit around here. Like, there's fuckery going on. There's bullshit going on. Like, let me explain it to you. There's cameras everywhere. They killed the mayor. Like, now will you help me? Right. Instead of we help me know. Oh well, you should because of laugh. Well, Juliet, as, as we discussed, we're going to pack her psychology. And one thing I want to clarify here: we, I, I love to mock that we love you know have, have the same feelings or comments on Juliet, whatever else. This is a great character that I really love discussing because they've given us enough that there's a complex psychology under the oh, surface of this character's skin. It's yeah. only because I care about so the character. We're we're pissed, we're pissed about the character's decisions because we're invested in the character and yeah. how well she's being portrayed here. So take that as what it is. But it's one of the things about Fundamental to Juliet is that if you take a person that views what they're doing as the most important thing ever, they don't feel the need to market. They don't feel like they need to sell that you can become part of what's the most important thing ever. Because it's the most important thing ever. It should be self-explanatory that obviously you should be doing this. So that that's kind of how she presents to every, every other person. Is it's almost like, I'm giving you the privilege to be part part of the most important thing ever. I don't need to explain it. I don't need to justify it. I'm giving you the opportunity to work with me on this. I fucking love Juliet, but like I, this this thing of like scoffing at him because he wants to help his mother is like, it's like Juliet. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Anyway, she leaves. And at first, I thought he took he that she had left the hard drive and he had it, but we learned later that she actually took it with her. Right. Hmm. Um, then the judicial people, judicial people come in looking for her. Juliet is trying to walk downstairs, and she gets stopped. And they are clearly going to search her until the mayor walks up and says, she's with me. I, I love that she does the, I, I want to speak to your supervisor routine to try to get around this lady. Doesn't work, but the mayor's here to help. Here it comes, and they just about stop him, but he backs he backs the guy off there. He says, oh, are you doing this to the mayor now? And the guy goes, oh, okay. So then Bernard and Juliet walk off. He asks her, what's up? She says, judicial's planning to take over, but Meadow's not the one behind it. It's Sims. He says, can't be Robert. He's so by the book. Mayor then says, I, I know somewhere we can talk. Let's go. Come on. Just with me and you. Secret place. 
And I, I love the symbolism and you know the reference to maybe other shows. He takes her out to the cornfield, which it, several shows taking somebody out of the cornfield is an impl- is an implication or you know reference to the idea that you're going to kill them or that they're going to die. So the fact that they're talking like in the middle of a cornfield, it is a cornfield, right? Remember that correctly? Yeah, this one's a cornfield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is just like, well, I don't have good vibes here, but no, I I still did not in any way. I the show had successfully made it so I did not suspect Bernard was going to pull this. I felt like maybe they both were going to be taken out or something. Here's where I knew. She starts talking to him, and he says he wants to be, you know, he seems to be supporting, even worried about his own position, and then he goes. What are they looking for? He wants to know what they're looking for. And she, he goes, what do you have that is so threatening? That, when he's, it's interesting how Tim Robbins does it, because when he delivers those lines, they seem fake. Mm-hmm. He starts to, he's, because, like, what's happened with the character is that Bernard knows Sims is there, Judicial's there, and he's he doesn't really have to keep but, this up very much longer. It's all going to fall apart. So he doesn't, he's not trying as much to deliver these lines as believable and fake as possible. So he's slipping a little bit, and he starts to give himself away, but he doesn't care, right? It's to the point, like, within the next line of when he straight up even just uses the word hard drive. You have the actual actual line written down? Yeah, he mentions the hard drive, and then he says, fuck me, I said hard drive. Now, how would I know there's a hard drive? Oops. His, his line afterwards it almost says to me that he's just taunting her. He's a he's a yeah. cat he's a cat playing with a mouse right now. At this like, point, he is. Yeah. Oh, she has a little bit of hope. Let me have a little bit of fun with that for a half second. You, you're the one. I'm sorry, Sheriff Nichols. Did you just say you want to go outside? Oh, oh. oh. my head just fell. I just oh no. <laughs> she, it's like oh okay. It's 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 lovely too because somewhere it, it, no one it, else is. It builds too. It's like, hey, Sims, didn't you just hear the the, the mayor say yep, that she, went, she was here for once? Go outside. Hey, three other judicial guys, didn't you all hear that too? It's just like, oh dear God, they they're even they're, they're even building witnesses right now for this. It's like when Billings later says, oh, you can call a hearing, you can call a hearing. It's like every witness in the room is going to say they heard it. What evidence is she going to offer? It's different. They have this back and forth here where she's, she's kind of she's playing catch up now. She says, "You're the one." Meadows isn't afraid of him. Pointing to Sims, she's afraid of you, Bernard. Bernard just says, "This, yeah." The founders knew someone would have to make the hard decisions to keep the silo alive. A person who possessed the knowledge, the intelligence, the information about everything that happens here. Lucky me. So what that tells me is that there is a. There's like a, there's a TSA pre for the pact. There's like a higher level of the pact. There's like, you get, you get the regular pact, but then you got to pay 50 bucks more and you can read the real pact. And that real pact lists the director of IT as the, basically the person who rules the silo. Yeah, when the pact says everything actually goes to judicial, you're reading that on IT servers, my friend. Why would you kill all those people? I don't understand. She says that throughout their entire existence... He says about the, throughout their entire existence, problems arrive that must be taken care of. The needs of many require the sacrifices of a few. She says, for a hard drive or a fucking heat tape, Bernard says, it's not about the tape. The hard drive is a threat to the silo, and you are the greatest threat to our home in 140 years. Well, I, you were. Juliet, take some pride in that. That's a hell of a statement right there. So they chase her. She gets caught, and she flashes back to her mom's funeral. I was really afraid that the show was actually going to let her get away here. 
It's like, I, I was really afraid the show's going to have her just outrun a few judicial agents here. And for they a second, are... she, like, throws a couple of them off. But, you know, eventually they get her down. Look, when they had the scene with Marnes and you were like, he has to die. They've painted themselves in the corner. He has to die. And then they then they did. They killed him. Didn't you start getting faith in the show? Uh, I still had faith. But for a second, when she, like, chucks two judicial guys on my hands, like, okay, go down. You need to go down now. Show you need to have her go down. And then she finally goes down. So she gets caught. She flashes back to her mom's funeral. No one came to the funeral. And she calls everybody cowards. So and sad. Like, and her dad's like, look, you know, it, it's tough for them to come based on, you know, her, the issues that she had and, and the way that she died. And she calls everybody a coward, including her mother, who, who killed herself. And, like, I think that's, like, a real thing that some shows have started dabbling in recently that I don't remember a lot of popular media dealing with. And that is that when somebody kills themselves, oftentimes justifiably the people around them are the most angry um, about it and I think it's a fair thing to cover and I think they kind of briefly touch on it here but I think it's pretty realistic she takes the rabbit out she tells it to leave it does shout out to the rabbit it does it takes off it leaves the plugged up heart it's ready to go live another six months (laughs) maybe longer it's like you know it's it's got a healthy supply of of, of potential they don't live that long Hey, at least potentially in a, in a, in a, in a domestic house. I uh, like the first rabbit I had with Bridget was her old childhood bunny. That bunny lived to be seventeen with us. Seventeen? Yes. Not wow. kidding. I have the medical records. That's real old for a rabbit, right? It, That's like one hundred and twelve. It was to the point. It, it was to the point that the vet didn't believe that its own records said the rabbit was that old. Because rabbits are supposed to be dead in five years, right? So, I, yeah. it, it varies. In, like They can live to be up to ten, and some can even live a little bit farther. But in like the wild, they live to be less than one. So there is a range by which rabbits can live. Our current one, Ace the Face, he is just turned 13. So they can make it to some, so like some cat and dog level of ages, but it's pretty rare. Interesting. I've got a cat that I'm prepping to live to thirty. I'm I'm getting her ready. I'm already. Guinness Book says it's possible. I'm training the kidneys. I'm just pumping that water in there. <laughs> oh, you got to keep the cat kidneys going. That's a serious yeah. problem right there. Got to get the water in them early. Yeah. So back to Juliet being arrested or handcuffed. I guess she can't be arrested really, right? Because she's the organization that arrests people. So they're just detaining her at this point. Mm-hmm. She then says, "I told you." He, Sim says, "I told you to regret arresting me." He looks in the bag and he knows she actually he got it. He found the, the thing. The, the smoke, the smoking gun, everything. The it's like they at this point they don't even need to have, create the fiction that she asked to go out and clean. Like they've got the crime right here. True, but, but I think they it's cleaner to have to go out and clean. Well, the, at this point, it's not even about her because they're they're just going to kill her regardless, or they, they're going to try. But like that, the hard drive they want because they think it's dangerous. Like yes, obviously. Yes, Juliet, yes, yes, yes. I think they think it presents a, a danger, right? So back to Shirley and Walk. Shirley has given a message to Walk saying, and Walk's like, look, it doesn't make any sense. She was on her way here. Who were the witnesses? So they clearly have gotten word that the sheriff said she wanted to go outside. Shirley says the mayor, some judicial witnesses. Walk snaps at her, and Shirley's like, hey, shoot the messenger here. And she goes, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. She says that Knox always said they'd punish them for the rebellion. Huh. Shirley didn't ask what happened. Yeah, so that's a little bit of lore, right? That it, that the rebellion came from down below. It came from down below, and yeah. engineering still views themselves as the heirs of the rebellion. Which that that is interesting. That is a common spirit that I hadn't necessarily expected. So 
Shirley then asks what happens next. And I don't think we know, right? Cut to Juliet, who's walking with Billy, and she's trying to get him to do something, and he's just, like, letting her have it. He's like, oh, it, it really? Like, you're going to ask me your fucking help now? You want me to enforce the fact when it, pack when it suits you, but not when it doesn't? Juliet says she doesn't want to go out. She just keeps saying it over and over again. She won't stop saying it until Sims punches her in the stomach, which prompts some people who are witnessing to shudder. It prompts Billings to say, look, that was fucking uncalled for. Billings is struggling all of a sudden. He starts to shake bad, like as bad as we've seen him. And Juliet does 100%. something I would like you, Spencer, to analyze it for me. She sees him shaking. And before anybody else can notice, Juliet hits him in the side, takes off and jumps off the balcony. What was her impetus for doing that if it wasn't multiple things? I think it was multiple things. I think it was I think it was an opportunity to escape, but I'm also with what you're implying right here. I think she was giving him a certain degree of cover. That he was about to possibly just collapse himself and she put together an event in advance that would give him that would give him plausible deniability for that. While also, you know, making her epic escape. I wonder if she even thinks she's escaping here. I wonder if she thinks, I wonder if she just jumped to like the next, I don't think she killed herself. So I wonder if she was just jumping to the next floor or something. I have spent an hour and 35 minutes beating up on Juliet. I think my, my read of this situation is she was protecting Billings for one time in her fucking life. She was protecting Billings. I, I, I think that is definitely part. I, I'm, I can't say definitely, but I, I agree with you that that is part of my interpretation of her actions here. All right. Well, I'm going to choose to believe that because that makes me feel a little bit better about the end of this episode. I also don't think there's a way in hell that she killed herself. I don't think that that, that didn't happen. I'm not believing that. Not for a second. That, that makes no sense in the story. We just had her fucking 15 seconds earlier in the show as a flashback calling her mother a coward for killing herself. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I don't see there's any realm whatsoever possible this character is dead. Yeah, no way. All right, so let's talk about best line of the episode. I need, I need you to vamp for a half second as I turn on my new other computer to see to get, to get it going. All right, I can vamp for a second. Uh... This was a tough episode for me because I like the character of Juliet. And I actually think that you made a really good point in calling out that there is a very big difference between what happens on the Star Wars podcast that we do, Mangum Talk Star Wars, where for the most part, the criticisms is, I don't like the writers, I don't like the show, I don't like what Disney's done, I don't like any of this stuff, to what just happened in this show, which is like, I'm just angry with a character that I've invested in and I care about. I think it just shows that it's good writing. Like, I I think this is a really well-written show. It's a really interesting world. Um, I think you kind of called it in the first episode that they're not really breaking new ground, haha. Breaking new ground, really, with the lore, right? Like, post-apocalyptic world, they're, they're you know, it's some sort of isolated society. They have their own rules. Like, this has been done before. But guess what? There's a reason, tr- there's a reason stereotypes are stereotypes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And it's being done well here. And I am very interested in it. To the point that if I wasn't in the middle of a 14-book quagmire of a series <laughs> real time, I might actually read the silo books. But like I've got I've got reading until next spring uh, but, with the Wheel of Time but, books. Budget your time for five years from now. All right. All right. Do you have best sign of the episode for I, I got a few. Uh, let's see here. First one, early on, between Sims and Gloria. If you cooperate and give me what I'm looking for, I'll personally guarantee that you'll never, uh, you'll never uh, be kept from your dreams again. 
And if I don't help you, you're to send an old woman out to clean? No. I'll leave her in this room unmedicated to spend the rest of her days staring at this wall. Well done, Sim. Well done, Sims. You, 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 you hit a person's weak spot perfectly and you hammered it home to get what you needed to know. Um, this is from Billings, but I was in administration, not one of those overcompensating fuckwads. Oh? What? A cuss? I don't, Billings, no, I don't think you do. I think you're actually just that angry for that moment you broke your usual rules. I'm, I'm, I would bet money the pact includes rules on cussing. I still like Billings. And at the end of this episode, I really just want to, like, like, just take him out for, like, a really nice meal and, like, have him take him, whatever he likes. I don't know what it is. Like, maybe he likes watching a movie or whatever the fuck. B- Billings needs, like, a good, a little bit of R&R. He is stressed Good to the gills. God. Our poor guy is like is stressed. He is pulled. Uh, this is from Sims to Billings, but all those pack bees you won while you were a kid finally paid off, huh, Paul? To which Billings responds, even coming across a little smugly, seems that way. Well done, let me, Billings. Let me give some like, well, let me let me give some well earned life advice. If you're making fun of somebody for being smart, you're eventually going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. You're eventually going to be... You might get a cheap laugh in the moment, but you're eventually on the wrong side of that. Uh, this is from um, Bernard. The clock is running, Juliet. There isn't much time, le- time left. If you have the hard drive, then... Fuck me, I said hard drive. How would I know that it's a hard drive? It's like, oh, God, now I understand. Screw you, show. Uh, and followed up shortly thereafter by... I'm sorry, Sheriff Nichols. Did you just say you wanted to go outside? Ooh... They're not. They're playing for keeps now. They are tired of dealing with this woman. Uh, and then last, one last one from Dard to um, Juliet. This isn't about heat tape. It's about survival. And that hard drive threatened the lives of everyone in this silo. And you are the greatest threat to our home in 140 years. Well, you were. Those are your nominees, sir. Best time of the episode, season one, episode eight. I'm sorry, Sheriff Nichols. Did you say you want to go outside? Yeah. yeah. Had to be that one. Might be the might be the line of the season because it's obviously the big culmination point of you know where we've been going with Juliet's arc. And now we got two episodes to resolve what they're gonna do now that they it seems in this episode, it wasn't really said explicitly, but it was like fairly like implicitly said that it's been now been circulated. That the, sh- the sheriff said she wanted to go outside, right? Walk, walk, and surely all the sheriff stations. Yeah, we've also seen from Allison and Sheriff Holston when it's perceived as somebody said they want to go outside. It doesn't matter how powerful you are, it doesn't matter who you are. There's no going back. Like if they, if there wasn't any going back for Holston. Like, um, I don't know. They, you know, it's almost like Marnes the shotgun. Uh, the guy, the guy has the shotgun over Marnes now. Billings does say that there is a. Apparently, you can have a hearing. A hearing, which we hadn't heard about previously. I wish they kind of telegraphed that that even existed. But I don't think they're going to really go that route with her. You know, just straight up going on the lamb and jumping off, jumping off um, the uh, <coughs> level of the silo she's on. Yeah, so, I agree. We'll see. Okay, well there you go. That's the best line of the episode. Now we got to award Silo Citizen of the Week. What is the? Who is the citizen who has contributed the most to the silo? And however we want to define that, we typically. Are all over the place and how we define that every week. I'll tell you who I'm not picking. <laughs> who are you not picking? Bernard. Fine. 
Because fuck it. Fine. Yeah. Because I'm mad at him. Because I'm mad at him. Although he was extremely effective in what he was trying to accomplish. And you probably could make a case that he's the Silo Citizen of the Week based on him trying to protect the Silo and being super effective in doing it and being the, like, fucking shadow leader and all that stuff. You know what? I'm not going to make that case because I don't like him anymore because I'm mad at him. I think he perfectly falls into that other category we've debated continually about what degree of actually service to what this silo expects of you satisfies this category. But if we're not honoring that particular category this episode, I'm going to pick Billings just because for no other reason I want the guy to get another medal for how bad I feel for him after all the shit he has to go through this episode to try to feel what he feels like is doing his duty not only to himself but also to the pack and what's right. I would like to give it to Stargazer. Stargazer, go on. Because his mom? Well, first off, that is actually really cool that, like, this guy thinks, okay, well, if I'm going to, like, do something that jeopardizes my personal, my my person, who are the people who rely on me? Because those are the downstream effects. Like, I like that he thought about that. That's a a nice, selfless thing that he thought about. So that is kind of cool. But I'll say this. Um, I'm giving it to him because Juliet's an attractive lady. You've, you've mentioned that many times on this podcast. It, it has come up, yes. He looked at an attractive lady in the face and said no. Not always easy for it's the class point. nerd. Not always easy for the class nerd, right? Not always easy for the guy who has his head in the clouds, who's, who is away from the crowd, who's staring point. at stars. He looked at her in the face and said, no, I can't do that for you. And that took a lot of probably willpower from him. It took a lot of probably screwing up courage to do that to her. I like that he stood up for himself. He absolutely should have told her no. Shout out, Stargazer. All right. Interesting point. I never really thought about that. But it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting way of looking at the, at the question. Yeah. Anyway, let's do some theory time. Can we please start with the thing I wanted to talk about an hour ago? Go on, man. Why in the fuck I don't know. you have magnifying glasses? I don't know. I don't know why this would have any relevance whatsoever. All right. I got to guess. I'm thinking... That magnifying glasses, whether it be at the scale you talked about, which was your ability to you know see, see things distance. in long distances or to see something that's right in front of you super close, like whatever that is, is emblematic of scientific progress. Sure. And they yeah. want to cut scientific progress out at the knees. They are interested... And I talked about, I've talked about on this podcast multiple times, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? They are very interested in that bottom layer, and they do not want you going any higher. Like, I don't think they want people to make discoveries or inventions. There's no NIH giving grants out to the populace here. Like, they don't want people to progress and, and develop because that weakens their control over them. So I think it's, it's all part... It, I think you, we, you've been right the whole time, right? That it's all about control. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like... Scientific progress represents something that they cannot get their arms around. Uh, theory time for me. I'm betting Meadows is dead in the next two episodes. I think at this point they're not even bother. They're either going to have her be killed as part of some rebellion that they're going to ultimately crush and you know assign all the other deaths to a rebellion that the Salonates to rally against, or they're going to say that she dropped from illness, which is perfectly possible. Or they're just going to actually kill her, but it's still active. She's still there and just gold stamp her name. But I'm getting vibes from this episode and last that they don't see a real value from keeping her around anymore. And that she'll be gone here shortly. So that's a, that's a bet I'm making. I don't... Th- 
I don't know about that. It's hard. Because it, part of me thinks that, like, she's just... She wasn't willing to buck the system, so maybe maybe she maybe she hangs on. Um, I'm very interested in the intel about the the magnifying glass. I'm very interested in any intel we can get into the ultimate org structure of the silo, the real org structure of the silo. Um, is it like we, okay? So the shadowy figure behind all the decisions, the the person behind the person, in, and the is founder's Bernard. plan apparently too. I got all that right, but like. Is there any check on him? Like a legitimate check on him? What? Yes or no? And who picks the new Bernard? Is it Did sp- Bernard kill the old mayor? I don't because, know. Because he get he got to be mayor after that, right? At which point at which point is he just not even bothering for the fact that yeah, yeah, you're the real power. Now he wants the actual public power too? It's like we had assumed that it was with some degree of judicial tension or whatever else, given the you know heightened tensions we saw previously. Bernard doesn't really have a direct reason to kill some of these people other than just self-aggrandizing him. It's like the mayor was no threat. None of these people were any threat because they didn't even know he existed. Why kill them off? I don't know. Just for sheer being touched by Juliet or around Juliet? It's curious. It it seems like this is just an open power grab so that he can be, you know, the guy in charge. Maybe... There's a certain vanity about the man that he's not content just being behind the scenes. Or maybe he just legitimately believes that Juliet is the biggest threat in 140 years and that you can be guilty just by sheer association with her. You know, if, if it is some level of I, I, vanity, of I want to be seen as the leader, um, you got to think that would be a weakness of his, something that could eventually be exploited. I'm with you there. Um, I'm, How about this? How about this one? Hmm. If they send Julia out to clean 15 minutes into the next episode, what's the show? I Nothing. I, I can't believe that's going to happen. I, I, I didn't believe the last year if we go, but I would find it near impossible for them to send out Juliet now. Like, even not just like, you know, this is, oh my God, they killed Ned Stark. I just don't know structurally how the show would work if they killed That's her. my question. I just don't know. They haven't really introduced another character who can kind of This isn't an ensemble on cast. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, maybe it's Walk. I mean, is it is no. it Walker? It's it, it, the best other character they characterized at this point is either Billings or Sims. Those are your, those are your other people to carry the flag in some aspects. Billings of the would show. be great. Billings would be fantastic if they let him be the next guy. If this happened, I don't know. They've already said that you'll be the next sheriff. Sims straight to called him the next sheriff already. So, so are we just having like seasons of like who's the sheriff? Like, oh, that was the Juliet season. That was the billing season before they fucking killed him. And it's going to get serial progression of, like, season four, we kill off five sheriffs in one season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. That that part is confusing to me, too, because they see, they, they with the rules of the world, they seem to have set it up where she's got to go. Now, you're right. They did give you a little thread of something. Maybe that'll get pulled on in the next episode. But by the rules of the world, she's got to go, right? Uh, one last pondering for me. We saw the state... Uh, uh, tense people got how dist- uh, uh, unstable things were when the last sheriff was sent out to clean two weeks in new sheriff gets sent out after the mayor and the deputy have died to what degree are, is our judicial bernard acknowledging that this is going to be a firecracker in the works in a way that maybe they've never seen before i don't yeah you have to question if they think that she is 
the bit yeah like like you said the biggest threat to their democracy that she has the shadow support and then they publicly send her out like you're right i don't i don't know how, how do they get how do they come back from that you would think that maybe they need to tarnish her reputation first hey <laughs> fun question just to throw out an idea what if they do try to send her out to clean and it's broadcast everywhere and engineering just shuts off the power so the door literally doesn't open <laughs> Oh, wow. What a move. Knox would be... I would... Oh, ah, chef's kiss. That would be fantastic if Knox would do that. They've been threatening... God, can you please join the writing staff? I would. I wish that would happen. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking as, like, what happens, but, like, I wish they, we could they, see they, that play out. I'm running with it. Though, they've, been th- they've been talking all the time about we're the most important, we run the power, and now they just, just set turn up it off and show a certain degree. Good luck. It's like, literally, you can't send her out because nothing's working until our demands are met. Yeah, they could. They couldn't do the weird little like flush the compartment with air thing that they do. That they, you know, all that stuff. Like that's all out because the power's out. It could be for, curious. Interesting way for them to try to save her. All right. Well, I think that's the end of our theory time, Spencer. Anything else you want to talk about this episode before we wrap up? Um, my girlfriend Bridget desperately wants to go to the rabbit floor. So this is actually a real place. She just wants to go to the floor that has nothing but rabbits. Can that be arranged? You know, I got to think that, like, there's probably not a rabbit floor, but there probably is, like, a rabbit section of an animal floor. Uh, there is probably a significant portion of a floor that is just a giant-ass herd of rabbits. Spencer is extremely skeptical that they, they have cows here. Very I, skeptical. I am willing to just straight argue with people on the subject of there is a... Can you imagine how much space cows would need on this thing? I would think it's milk. I think they would probably have a, like a litany of milk cows and that it's extremely rare to ever butcher them for meat. That would be my guess. I think the meat that they're eating is chicken and rabbit. Just, just from sheer resources you would invest, that would make sense. And pig. We've seen pig. Chicken's real easy. It's like rabbit. It's like real easy to like get a chicken going. Like that's not, that's not that tough. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I continue to be as fascinated by the trappings of the silo as, as the plot itself. Although, not, I don't mean that to cast aspersions on the plot. Plot's really good. Clearly, we're into it. Uh, hour and 50 minutes here into the recap and the podcast. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Really enjoyed uh, this podcast with you, Spencer. Thanks for doing it with me. I look forward to next week where we will review the penultimate episode of Season 1 of Silo. Until then, please rate, review, subscribe. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can check us out at www.mangumtalks.com to see all the podcasts that we do across the Mangum Talks podcast network. You can go to facebook.com slash mangumtalks to interact with, well, me directly. You won't talk to Spencer, but you can pass along messages if you need. Or you can go to X, Twitter, whatever, and we are at Mangum Talks. You can talk to us that way. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back with you next week.